go ahead and take your Bible and turn to Daniel chapter 1. Tonight is a little bittersweet for me. Um, This will be my last evening at the men's study. And and so at the end, I'll share a little bit about what God is doing in our life and really my wife and I. A lot of you know, but I'm going to try and save some time for that. And I told... uh, Someone, since tonight's my last night, I really can go as long as I want. So if uh, you don't come back next week, I'll tell Bruce, sorry, um, I went till nine. But no, 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 I won't, I won't do that. Um, but anyway, tonight, what we are going to talk about is this idea of be resolute. And Bruce kicked us off last week in this 11-week series, which um, I'm excited for you guys about. I'm a little jealous just because I love the book of Daniel and how applicable it is. And really, um, this, this series hopefully is very practical for, for all of you, no matter where you're coming from, your background, your age, your stage. I think this stuff is so applicable, whether um, you're not married yet, you're living alone, or you live with your parents, or you're a married guy, you have some kids, or you're retired, or you're really in your 40s or 50s, and you have kids at home, and you're in the, the thicket. I feel like this stuff is so applicable for us, and I think God wants to speak in some incredible ways through the story of Daniel. So this idea of be resolute, um, just because you know me and you know I'll be honest, when Bruce said, hey, I want you to speak on this passage and the idea or title is be resolute, I said, what does be resolute mean? And so I had to Google it and look it up. So this term or the term that we're going to use, um, Andy, if you would pull it up for me, uh, to be resolute, um, I'll wait for it, sorry, he was running to fix some things for us. To be resolute is to be determined or unwavering, to be determined or unwavering, really to be committed to something, to not just be, as my dad would say, a fart in the windstorm, or when something that is really small, it's like, he said, Michael, you just peed in the ocean. That's how much impact you made in that comment or that statement, that we would be determined or unwavering. Now, when we look at the story of Daniel, one of the things that is so, so good for us is when you have the story of Daniel, I was going to have a ladder, but, you know, I'll get too excited and I'll fall and get hurt and the whole deal. But when you take a step up in the Bible, it gives you a better perspective of things. You're allowed to, you, you can pull back, you can pull out of your little situation in your life and you can see things better. And when you take another step up, okay, Now I can see some eyes. Now I can see some faces. I can see you texting. I see that. I can see your wife's really on you right now. She's wondering when you're coming home. Um, You're going to check the score of the game tonight, whoever's playing. You can see some things. And then when you take another step up, okay, now I have a better perspective. And it's really... This isn't rocket science, right? I went to Mogador. This ain't that hard. I mean, you just, you, you see things a little better. And when you see things better, here's what's so good about this book. You don't get stuck in your day. Because when you get stuck in your day, you get stuck in the weeds and you see some smoke coming up from across the hill and you start to lose your mind. And when you pull up like this, Verses like Psalm 115.3, which says, our Lord is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases, is a comfort. That God's in control. 
that he is sovereign, that he knows what he's doing. So when we can pull up, because a lot of us, when we talk about uh, standing firm in a collapsing culture, we, we think our culture is the worst it's ever been. It's the worst it's ever been. But then you jump in the book of Daniel and you're like, oh, oh, it's, it's been bad before. Have things been bad before? Okay, three of us, great. So th- things have been bad before, so this book allows us to pull up. And here is, the, here is what's easy for all of you to understand. This is so easy to understand. All of you have an unwavering commitment or you are determined towards something. No matter what, you, you have a commitment towards something or someone. For some of you, you are committed to your wife. How do I know? You are scared to death of that woman. <laughs> Tell me, I'm, I'm, I mean, seriously, you're committed. You'll do whatever she says. And that, you know, balance, we could talk about that. And I know some of you are like, uh, and, and you're committed towards it. Some of you, you're committed towards your kids. I don't want to step on, yeah, well, I, the, yeah, you could, the child could run the home. The child could run the home, so you're committed to that. For some of you, in a bad way, you're committed to your, to your boss. Your boss is your commitment. It's your unwavering. It's your determined to please that person. And for some of us, in a bad way, in an unhealthy way, it's, it could be your pastor. It could be a Bible teacher. You're committed. It's unwavering. Everything else shuts off. And it could be something, not someone. could be money. could be the altar of success. We're committed to that. We are focused on that. We're looking at it. And you know, you know what you are determined for or looking at. You, you, you already know what the answer is. When I would ask you, what causes you the most anxiety or fear? What or who? Is it work-related? Is, is it a person you're thinking of? And so, I'm saying all this as an introduction to, to tonight. I think, um, I don't think, I know that God wants us to have an unwavering commitment to him and his word. I'm totally convinced of that. Some of us just aren't that convinced. We think it, maybe talk about it sometimes, but we forget that our unwavering commitment, our hill that we will die on is right here. And it's not that, popular. It's not that sexy. There's not a lot of new, profound things you're going to learn tonight. I think a lot of the stuff you'll hear tonight is like, oh, I've never, I've never, not that I've never thought about that. I've never practiced that principle. I've never applied that principle. So tonight, I got five things um, that I want to work through. The first one is this. A strong commitment doesn't equal being a jerk. Um, yeah, it's, it's guys' night. It's, it's the boys' night. We can, we can be honest. Um, I could have said something else, but I still have to work here for another six months, so I'd like to just play it safe. Uh, that was a joke. You can laugh. Verse, <laughs> verse 8 says this, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So, 
Here's what's important. You have last week Bruce talking about these people or these guys or really where they're at. King Nebuchadnezzar is really doing some crazy stuff, putting in some crazy laws. In Exodus 34, they would have a command as the people of God not to eat food, not to drink drink um, that was sacrificed, or really the food, to pagan gods or idols. It was a restriction that they would have. In Isaiah 5, they would have a command to not drink strong drink. Um, In Proverbs 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a what? Brawler, for some of you. So, So they have this command. The king gives a command for all the people. This is the food you're gonna eat, this is what you will take in, and this is the requirement. So what does Daniel do? He resolves, he decides, he makes up his mind that he won't defile himself. It is a personal conviction based upon what God has commanded him to do. And it's running in deep roots. Does Daniel have any risk in obeying God's laws, yes or no? Yes, you bet he does. Do you think there was some anxiety or fear in Daniel's commitment to to resolve that he wouldn't drink or eat of this food? Absolutely, because there was a risk at play. And then, here's why I say don't be a jerk. What does he do? He what? He asked. Why would he ask? Why would he ask? For, For some of us, we would say, You don't ask permission, you just tell them what you're doing. Why would he ask? Because Daniel, if if we are, if we are going to stand firm in a collapsing culture, guess what? You have to be in it. You have to be there. You wanna know how bright the light is when you're here? It's bright. Because there are lights that are here. But if you want to be a light in a dark place, you must go where it is already dark. You can't, I mean, it's, it's natural to want to pull out of a dark place because it's risky, it's scary, there might, you know, someone might, might say something bad, someone might say something offensive, but Daniel, he is there and he has the relational, we'll talk about this in a second, the relational cap or ability, the ability to ask him, I asked him, would you allow me not to defile myself? Now the eunuch is gonna answer the question. Just think about this. If the eunuch said no, would Daniel still keep his conviction? You bet he would. You bet he would. You can still make up your mind what you're going to do and still ask someone the question. Why? Because they're human beings. You can still, and and I knew tonight was going to get uncomfortable, but I didn't think it was going to happen this quick. Um, You can still ask them the question, and you don't have to be a jerk in the midst. If we would think, and and Jesus himself says this in John 17, that we are to be in the world, John 17, 11, that we would be in it, that he is leaving, that we would stay, that there would be lights in a dark place. And you can have strong commitments. Um, <clears throat> how many of you have strong beliefs about everything happening in our, in our world today? Raise your hand. You got strong ones. Most of you are lying. Um, you have stronger ones than you represented because you were a little scared. 
Um, <clears throat> I have strong beliefs, commitments, ideas, biblically, politically. I mean, you, you put me in any camp, I have strong beliefs. But I want to be able to have the conversation with someone, to ask them a question and say, this is what I'm going to do. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> to stand out in a collapsing culture, personal, keep personal convictions personal. I would never ask my friend um, to keep a biblical conviction because he is not a Christian. I know, this is really deep tonight. He, he, he approached me on Sunday, and I was sharing about church, and I was talking about some things, and he approached me, and he said this, and it's been driving me nuts. I've been trying to share Christ with this guy for like two years, and he still doesn't follow Christ, and I'm so impatient, I'm really frustrated about it, and the Lord and I are just having it out. And he approached me, and this is what he said. He said, Michael, I want to thank you for allowing me not to believe what you believe, but still to belong in your community. I want to thank you. I've grown up with people who believed what you believed, and I wasn't allowed to sit and just listen and just ask, and I want to let you know I see it and I appreciate it. And I was like, so is you, get, you trust in Christ now? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> he said, no. He said, I just want to let you know God is working on me. And I said, and I am here to wait and listen. I have convictions, but they're personal and they're for me. Number two, because we are not going to make the, the cut for the time tonight. Compassion from God equals compassion for those far from God. Verse 9 says, and, Daniel, or, and God gave Daniel favor. Favor in the, the Hebrew, because I had to look it up. I don't know how even to find some of this stuff, but I did. It's, <laughs> favor is hes. It means loyal love. Think of the love you have for your child. It's loyal. It's, it's not going anywhere. It doesn't matter what they do, you will love them. This is the kind of favor that God has for Daniel. And compassion, but here's the kicker, in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Nebuchadnezzar has an eunuch. He's in charge of who's getting what and who's eating what. Um, God gives a special favor and compassion that the eunuchs, when they see Daniel, they're like, hey, let's give him some freedom. Where does that come from? God, there's only two men in the Old Testament that were considered blameless, which means not, there was nothing bad that could be said about them. That was Joseph, if you'd remember Twists and Turns a year and a half ago, and it's Daniel. It's the only two. They couldn't find anything bad about them. They wanted to hate them, but they couldn't. You have someone like that in your life? Just don't want to like them, but you have to? You're like, man, I just don't like him. Why? Everyone likes him. This was Daniel. He just had a favor about him. And Daniel, because God is giving him favor from the eunuch, guess what? He has compassion for the eunuch. You're going to see as the story plays out. Compassion is 
this deep, it's hard, I think the only way I can explain it is it's, a, it's almost, it's a turning in your gut, the Bible would describe it. Have you ever, I think the only time I felt this is when my daughter was born. I was sick to my stomach, but not in a bad way. Like just overwhelmed with a love and compassion. It's the number one emotion Jesus felt was compassion. He was moved with compassion. And when you have compassion from God, it equals compassion for those far from God. This whole book and hopefully this series is not everyone pulling back and walking up and going like this. It's us against them. It's us against them. Who's going to win? Who's stronger? Who's got the most cards in the game? Who's got the bigger this? Who's got the more weapons? It's us against the culture. Who's going to stand firm? Hopefully, we look and we say, it's us for them. That we would have the same compassion that we would say, you would be able to say with me and with people around you, I want to have a heart of compassion for people far from God because guess what? That's where I was. I can't forget that. That's where I was. I'm just a beggar telling other beggars what? Where to find bread. I'm just telling them. So when I see someone who I disagree with on every stance, I don't think anything they say has any weight and, and this, the friend I was sharing with, we, we would argue and disagree on pretty much every major hot button issue you could think of. Every, everything. But I want to look at him and say, I want to be for him, not against him. I don't walk into a conversation with gloves on, ready to just blow some punches. And I will punch him. But I... I want to I go into the conversation and say, why do you think that way? I want to have the ability to have that because with the compassion God has given me, I want to have it for him as well. And number three, strong commitments still or should still equal reasonable relationships. The chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, <clears throat> so we're going verse by verse here, and we'll, we'll start reading a few more, but just pull back in your Bible and look at it for a second. The things that are taking place, the guy who's in charge for Nebuchadnezzar is having a conversation with Daniel, and Daniel's having a conversation with him. <clears throat> so they're, they're talking, and the question hopefully we are asking is, can I have strong commitments and still reasonable relationships with people where we're not even on the same team. We're not even playing for the same sides. We're not even, we don't see things from that way. Hopefully, you can still have these types of conversations. So the eunuch is now asking Daniel, which he doesn't have any, Daniel has no authority right now. He's asking him, Daniel, I fear my Lord, Nebuchadnezzar the king, who assigned your food and your drink for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who were of your own age? So you would, I don't know if there's the rest of it. It's not. So you would endanger my head with the king. 
So I'll get into the whole diet thing here in a second. But here's what I would like to say, or at least pull this out. I hope that people can tell me their concerns about my personal convictions. Will it change my conviction? It can't change my conviction. You want to know why? Because I'm right here. I'm under the book. I can't. Tell me what you think, Mike. I can't tell you what I think. Why? I'll just tell you what the Bible, Bible says. This is what I think. Why won't you tell me what you think? Because everything I think is insane. You don't want inside my head. My head's crazy. I think some crazy stuff. I've thought some crazy stuff, and I've been wrong 10 days out of 10. So you want to know what I do? I walk around like this, metaphorically. When someone asks me a question, i got to tell you what the Bible says, because I can't tell you what I think. Everything Mike thinks is dumb, from dumbville. That's it. But this idea, I hope someone can say, and this is where this plays out. I hope someone can say to me, Mike, if I believe that, this is what will happen to my relationships. I hope they can tell me that. If I take that stance, you want to know what my dad will do to me? If I take that stance, you know what will happen at my work? I hope they can ask me and say, I'm going to get, I mean, the eunuch says, I'm going to get my head cut off. In verse 10, if you do this, Daniel, you've endangered my head. That's his, so Daniel is so wise. He's so wise. He's able, able for the eunuch to say, Daniel, I know you don't want to eat this food. I understand you don't want to eat this food, and I understand you have a God that I disagree with. But if you do this, my head's on the line. Does it change Daniel's conviction? No. But it brings him into the conversation. It helps him to be able to say, and this is all conjecture. You know, I didn't think about that. Or when someone tells me, if I become a Christian, this is what will happen to me. <clears throat> you know, it wasn't that hard for me. It didn't mean that much sacrifice for me. I don't understand that. But we're having the conversation. Strong convictions still should equal reasonable relationships. Number four, and we're going to cover verses 11 to 16. And the point is, follow God closely, trusting him with the consequences. So here's where it gets into the whole diet thing. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, test your servants for 10 days. Oh, man. This is where you, like, the Bible is amazing. I want you to know that. The Bible is so alive. It's living and active. It connects dots. It's applicable. And Daniel says to him, what, and here's what he's applying. What you take in matters from a physical standpoint. He's talking about food here. But is it important what you take in on, on the news? Yes or no? Okay, we're awake. <clears throat> does it matter what you take in on social media? Yes. Does it, matter what, does it matter what you take in on the radio? Yes. And Jesus said in, Ma in Mark 7, it's what goes into a man and then what comes out is what defiles him. Why? My mom would say this. It was so annoying. I hated it. I was like 12. And I was listening to, you know, 
whatever, bad music, TV show, whatever. Michael, she would say, what goes in here will come in here and come out here. And I was like, that's not true. (laughs) And it was true. What you take in matters. So from a spiritual standpoint, if you take in the word of God, hopefully someone, and there was a professor who would always, you know, people would critique and say, um, you Bible college students, you're just brainwashed. You're all brainwashed. And my professor would say, good, because I, I need my brain washed. I need it washed. And so let me get back to this. And he's referring to physical food. Test your servants for 10 days. So put it to the test. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. So this is what's called the Daniel diet. <clears throat> I thought about doing it tonight um, and just having broccoli and water, which would have been terrible. Um, there's some other things you can do for the Daniel diet, and it's nuts and seeds and vegetables and water. So <clears throat> what he is saying, if you take these things in, you're going to look different. If some of you men did this diet for an afternoon, you would lose five pounds. You just would. You, you would. I mean, I mean, think about it. Your, their appearance. He's going to talk about the appearance. <clears throat> Take in this for 10 days, then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them <clears throat> in this. Next slide. Is it not in there? Andy's following along. He's sleeping. Um, so, so he listened to them in this, I'll just, thank you. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine that they were given to drink and gave them vegetables. So you're like, all right, vegetables, water, nuts, all these things. What are we talking about here? Come on. <sighs> Daniel says to them, hey, what we're going to take in is better. What we're going to take in is better, and I want you to put it to the test. It's like when you tell someone, hey, you don't believe in God, you don't believe in the Bible, I want you to read the Gospel of John one chapter a day, every day for 21 days, and at the end of it, you put it to the test. You put it to the test and tell me if there's anything different about your life. You let the word of God speak because what you take in matters. For a lot of us, you're just consumed with what you take in. We take in so much news outlets, we're just screaming at the TV and mad all the time. And if you would go three days without the news, man, your wife would be like, what happened to you? You're just so happy. (laughs) You're like, I've been in a cave. Um, so here's why this is important. Because apparent, when you take in with what God wants you to take in, people will see. People will notice. And next slide, Andy. That following God's wisdom or doing life God's way results in us standing out dramatically. Just standing out. <clears throat> and honestly, you don't even have to be crazy to stand out anymore. You don't. You know what, I mean, just to stand out is to just be like, hey, I'm gonna pray for my meal at work when everyone's watching. And it's like, what's he doing? Standing out is saying, hey, when I put my kids to bed, I'm gonna pray with them every night. 
you will stand out dramatically. When you drop your kids off to school, hey, before you get out of the car and we're in the line, I want to pray with you. You'll stand out. You just have to have some type of, I mean, it's, it's not that hard. As men, we get intimidated because you think I mean standing on Arlington Road um, on, a, on, a, you know, on a bucket preaching the gospel. That's not what we're talking about here. Just doing what, doing what God wants or doing life, life God's way, you will stand out. It's in 2 Timothy 2, 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house. So, every decision that we make has some type of consequences, good or bad. And this is why the point of this is, or in this point here, is leave the consequences to God. You do what God wants, and you leave the consequences to him. The results to him would be better, but consequences feels better. God, I'm going to do what you want me to do, and whatever happens, happens. Daniel does that, and blessings just flood his way. And what I mean by blessing is, he has the opportunity to influence the eunuch and Nebuchadnezzar and all of them in their culture at that time. That was his blessing. His blessing was to stand out in a collapsing culture. So every decision we make has some type of consequence or influence. It says in Psalm 121, verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Then he asked the question, where does my help come from? And as men, all of us in here, just for illustrative purposes, let's hurt your eyes. Go ahead and look up. Everyone look up. It'll hurt your neck for a second, but you'll be okay. All men have hills that they want to climb. You have something you want to attack. You have something you want to do. You have a career. You have a job. You have a marriage. You have a relationship. You have a task. There's a hill. So when you look to the hills, you don't say, where does my help come from? We look to the hills and we say, I got this. I can do this. I can conquer this. I can get this done. I've gotten plenty of stuff done. You can look down now, some of you. You're like, ah. We look up and we say, I can do this. Do you know my family background? Do you know how much stuff I've done? Do you know my giftings? Do you know my abilities? Do you know how strong I am? We don't say, where does my help come from? It goes on to say in Psalm 121, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Where does my help come from? It was George Mallory who was the first one to climb Mount Everest. And they asked him the question, George, why did you climb that hill? Because it's there. The sad part of the story is his son, John. They asked him, John, after his dad had passed, tell us about your dad. And he said, I would have rather to known my father than to live with a legend or as most people perceived him to be. Every decision has a consequence. Every hill we want to climb, 
everything we want to tackle, everything we put in front of us, it will impact us and the people in our lives. And we have to ask, am I going to do this God's way and leave the consequences to him? Might not get the promotion, might not be super successful, might not make extra money here. What is the best thing for me to do as a man, as a father, as a husband, where he's called me to be? I will be a clean vessel as God wants me to be, and that will be standing out in and of itself. Number five, and I'll, last one, and you guys are going to go to your tables. Any favor, any favor equals from God. Any favor equals from God. These four youths, God gave them. I would underline that in your Bible if you do. God gave them. You would never say this. I would never say this. <clears throat> but for a lot of us, once you start to do something really well, and once you start to accomplish some things, you will believe the lie that you're really good. You just got your crap together. Just, I'm just experienced. I know what I'm doing. Or, man, I earned this. I've worked hard. And this is what happens. God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, underline that, it's three years. The time is not three weeks. A lot of us, we live godly for like a weekend and we're like, God needs to show up in big results. This is three years this has happened. The chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke to them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mashiel, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and chanters that were in his kingdom." This is incredible. In the story, he has other magicians, enchanters, people that come and give him wisdom for his dreams and things that they'll interpret and tell him. Daniel decides to stick with his convictions. What he will take in matters. It shows in his appearance. At the end of the time, three years, just waiting it out, the eunuch, and then bring them to the king. And the king says, I have found no one like this. Ten times better, it's an idiom. It's just like saying the Browns are ten times better than the Steelers. Amen? Okay, good. We got some Jesus followers in here. You would know, it's, it's an exaggeration. He's saying they're ten times better. And listen, it's because God gave them. Any favor you have in your life is because God gave it to you. Any wisdom you have in your life is because God gave it to you. Any smarts or any skill you have is because God gave it to you. Any money is because God gave it to you. Any relationships is because God gave it to you. Any cars, any houses, any ability, you put it down. I don't care what it is. God gave it to me. Any favor is from God. Any favor. And when we believe that it's because we just killed it and we got lucky, that's a lie that the devil would love you to believe. Because now any favor comes from me. Any favor is from God. I'm going to give you around 10 to 15 minutes. Those two questions at your tables, you guys go for it and we will come back and wrap things up.
Well, hopefully you have had some good discussions um, at your table, or at least sparked <clears throat> some good discussions. How I would like to end out tonight is for the next, I'm going to kind of give you some five quick application points, and then I'll share my heart a little bit. Before we go to those, I would like to read just two quick verses. First Corinthians 15 says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. First Corinthians goes down and says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And let all that you do be done in love. I hope you guys have heard a little bit of my heart tonight in the sense of that we would be godly men where God has called us to be. And knowing that things are not going to get any better from a cultural standpoint, I hope you know that. And it only means that we would understand this is our day to stand out. This is our day that God has called us to. This is our time. It's not that we'd shrink up and get our little holy huddle and grow some big Bible knowledge and just kind of hang out and we'll see you in heaven one day. That we would engage the culture where God has called us to be and share Christ and have our convictions and make a difference. I believe God wants that for every single man here tonight. Real quick, these five things I want to take you to take home with you tonight. The first one is this, how to be resolute, slow and consistent obedience in the same direction wins the race. For a lot of us, we like to see fast, quick results. We like to see charts. We like to see up and to the right. We like to see things moving super quick. Even in chapter one, it was a three-year time period for Daniel. Slow and consistent obedience in the same direction wins the race. Making the right decision day after day, week after week, Month after month, you know how it goes, that, we would, that God would be able to use us in that way. Number two, if you'd pull it up for me, keep the end in mind. Um, I read a quote from a pastor this past week, and it was so timely. He said, how you view how the world, will, the way you view the, how the world's going to end will impact how you live today. And for a lot of us, Christ followers, we forget that at the end, Jesus does win. You can relax. We forget. You start watching you know, certain things happen and you think he's lost control. We forget how things will play out and we forget that he is in control and in charge. And guess what? God knows what he's doing. He is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. And our pea brain minds cannot wrap around and sit there and yell at God for allowing things to happen. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. We just get to be a part of that. Keep the end in mind. Number three, remember the small unseen is seen. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.18 that what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Sometimes as men, you do, you're doing things, you're trying to resolve, you're trying to make commitments, and nobody sees you. Nobody. You get zero credit. You'll do 10 amazing things one bad thing, it's like everyone finds out about it, your wife knows about it, everyone's yelling at you, and you're like, have I done nothing right? Has no one seen this? God sees the unseen, the small things, the small commitments, those are big things 
in the eyes of God. Focus on what is unseen. Number four, keep your commitments and leave the results to God. <clears throat> we, it's easy to want to control and manipulate the results. Make things happen, push it down the field, get it done. How about we just be obedient, be a light where God has us, and, and God will take care of it. He'll give favor where you need favor. He'll bring things that need to come our way. He has the perfect timetable. He has the perfect things that will happen at the right time. And for a lot of us, it says in uh, Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor will labor in vain. That will let God build. He's a great builder. He's way better than any of us in here. He'll build a life and we'll just submit our lives to him. Number five, lastly, pressure historically is a sign that God is on the move. Um, just true in the book of Acts, true during the Reformation, true historically. Any, any revival that would take place, we were having a conversation earlier tonight, pressure on our lives is not, oh no, what is God doing to me? I'm like, oh, he's about to move. It's always true historically. So we can trust that from a biblical standpoint, Christian history. Anytime there's pressure on the church, anytime persecution is being threatened, anytime that has happened, God just defies the odds and blows the roof off the building. Every time. So pressure, it's okay to sit in it. It's okay to sit in it and relax and trust the Lord. I am super thankful for all of you who have been coming the past couple years to the men's study. It was two, I believe two and a half years ago I started. Um, it has been amazing for me. I told my wife tonight, tonight is very bittersweet. This is one of my favorite things that I have had the opportunity to do. I want to thank you all uh, for allowing me to learn and grow as a Bible teacher, as a communicator. I can still remember the first sermon I gave here, it was on 2 Chronicles 26 on courage. I preached the sermon, I think, in 15 minutes. And Jim Creed came up to me and said, Mike, that was amazing. We didn't hear a word you said because you were so fast, but it was amazing. <laughs> and I thought, well, I guess it was good. So, uh, no, I, I, I sincerely mean that. I want to thank all of you. I am Super, I mean, this is near and dear to my heart. I have loved being here with you guys and growing and learning. My wife and I are beyond excited for what God has for us next. And for those of you who have not heard, we are starting a church. We're planting a church in Goodyear Heights. 539 Church um, is our name. Uh, for those of you wondering, uh, it was in January. Walked into Butch's office. My wife and I have been praying for really two years, and we feel like, now is the time. I approached Pastor Butch, had the conversation with him, and really I went in thinking he would fire me. He didn't. And he said, Mike, if it is of God, you can't stop it. We would be found opposing God. And it says in Acts 5.39, but if it is of God, you would be found opposing God. So they took Gamaliel's advice, Peter and John preaching the gospel. And I, I went home that night, I went to my office, read Acts 5.39, didn't even know it was a verse until that day, which is incredible, and I looked at it, and my wife and I were like, man, that's who we are. That's who we are, that if God is in this, we're going to be fine. 
If he's behind us, if he is in this, it's going to be, we're going to reach people far from Christ. And I will just say, um, we're, we're shooting to launch uh, next year in 2022. We have a ton of work to do. Uh, we ha- are going to be super busy. We are very excited. God is already bringing confirmation. Um, we had a building that was gifted to us uh, from another existing church, free of charge, with no debt, um, that has exactly what we were praying for, which is an incredible story. I wish I had the time to tell you. God is simply just doing some incredible things in our life. And we are just praying. And what, what I'm asking for some of you is as you think about us, as you think about maybe this verse in Acts 5.39, if you, it comes into your mind, would you pray for us? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for my wife and I? We have no idea what we're doing. Um, not a clue, but we are very excited about what we're doing. And we are praying that God would allow us to plant a church that will reach people far from Christ. We were talking right before uh, we started tonight, and we were talking about when the Lord's going to return and how soon that is, and I said, that's the number one reason I want to plant. I think he's coming any day, and I would rather go get a bunch of people, hopefully, to bring with me. And so we are praying for that. Would you pray for that? Would you pray for my wife and I as we embark on this journey? We are excited than ever, but we are scared to death. And so... um, I just want to thank you guys for allowing me to be here. I will be praying for you. And um, let me, would you guys stand as I pray for us and we finish out tonight? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the men in this room. I thank you for their patience with me. I thank you for the grace that they have given me, just allowing me to step into this role Uh, the past couple years and really um, shoes that I could not fill and didn't pretend to fill and really just wanted to learn and grow and teach the Bible here on Thursday nights. God, I thank you so much for the men as they have taught me so many things. There's just so many things that pop into my mind as I look at certain men in this room who have asked the right questions, who have made the right comments, who have said the right things at the right time. Lord, I am so indebted to this group. Even thinking when I was 18, 19 years old, coming to this study on Thursday nights and you speaking to me through these things, God, I thank you so much for this group. I pray for this group um, in the days to come that they would grow deeper in their knowledge of you, deeper in their understanding of you, deeper together as men, and God, that also that they would reach men who are far from you. God, that you would give all of us eyes to see Um, and reach people for Christ. Lord, we are so grateful for you. Without you, none of this is even possible. And so, Lord, we do pray that the men's study, that the best days would be ahead here at Maranatha, and that you would bless them as a church as you always have. Lord, we thank you for everything. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.